Hello, my name is Pastor Brian Taylor of Forest Avenue Baptist Church, and you're listening to our Global Missions Conference, in which we had November the 10th through November the 13th of 2019. If you wish to contact us, you can find us. Our mailing address is 106 West Forest Avenue, Sherman, Texas, 75090, or call us at 903-892-3506. Also, you can visit us on our website, at www.fabcsherman.com and find us on Spotify when you search Forest Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. Good evening, everybody. I'm, uh, my name is Wes Willie. I am excited to be here tonight, and I'm kind of nervous to speak in front of you. I told some of my friends, Steve and and Trevor and Brian, I always get nervous when I preach in front of pastors, so uh, if I stutter a little bit, you'll just have to forgive me. Um, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 11 tonight, and we're going to open up with this, and then I'm going to talk for a minute, and then I'm going to tell you uh, why this passage of Scripture was so important to my church family, and it will be important to your church family. Um, Hopefully, you'll really take this to heart, and it'll be something you'll take away tonight and apply it to your life. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 through 11. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. This is the main verse for tonight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So that passage of scripture has totally changed how our church functions as a church. Seriously, how it functions as a church. So I want you to think about that. And I know Brian just got done praying, but I would like us just to pray over this passage of scripture together uh, tonight. And then uh, we'll talk. God, I do again pray, Father, I praise you, Lord, for this time we have together. I pray, Lord, in agreement with Brian that um, we would take missions seriously, Lord. And, Father, I pray that this missions conference, Lord, um, isn't just something that we, uh, two years from now, say we remember the missions conference, but we take missions seriously and we're missions-minded from now on. And, God, we pray that this message would be yours, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I heard a story one time about these two widow ladies that would come to church together because their husbands had been gone for some time, and they sat towards the back of the church, and when there was a visiting pastor come to the church, he was very, very, very long-winded. He preached for almost an hour, and in typical Baptist churches, there's music for 30 minutes, and then a pastor preaches for 30 minutes too, and the whole service is an hour. Well, Gertrude and Ethel are sitting towards the back row, And this guy goes on and on and on and on. And finally he finishes and he says, amen. And as they're getting up, Gertrude says to Ethel, man, I am glad he finished. My rear end fell asleep. 
and Gertrude said, I know, it snored three or four times. <laughs> so I hope tonight I don't make yours snore three or four times. I hope that, um, that we will uh, read God's Word and we will take something away from it tonight. Um, like I said, I am from Florence, and if you don't know where Florence is, Florence, if you look at a map, is not that I have Austin or Colleen on there, but it's about 40 minutes from Austin, north um, west of Austin, and it's about 15 miles e uh, southeast of Colleen. So we're kind of in between Austin and Colleen, and I've been there for about three and a half years. And the reason I'm telling you this is because um, I knew that God was calling our church to missions. I just didn't know what that looked like. I'm not, um, I, I've been in the ministry for a good while, but honestly, when I thought of missions and when our, the churches that I have been at uh, talked about missions, it was Lottie Moon Christmas offering, it was Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and it was Mary Hill Davis offering. And as long as we did those three offerings, how many of y'all have heard of those offerings? Okay, just making sure I'm not talking to people that have never heard of that. So um, that's the Baptist standard, right? We do those offerings, and as long as we are throwing money at missions, we're doing missions. So the first year that I was at, uh, no, I'm sorry, the first three years that I was at Florence, that's what we did. We did the three big offerings. We also were very pro-life, so we did some fundraising for pregnancy care centers, and we would do a mission trip somewhere in Texas. Not that I uh, didn't want to go out of the country yet, didn't want to go out of the state yet. It just happened that there was different, uh, minute, different churches that needed our help, so we went for a week-long mission trip, helping remodel fellowship halls, did backyard Bible clubs, and stuff like that, and our mission committee, because we have a committee on committee on committee at our church, our mission committee met and we talked about what is the vision for our church. And when a pastor's asked that, that honestly I'm a pretty laid back pastor and the way that I work is um, the will of God is in his word and so as long as we're doing the, the word of God and we're living at the will of, then we're living at the will of God and we're going to be doing that, but I was challenged by a lady named Boots Brizendon in my church, and she said, what exactly is your, so I'm put on the spot then, you know, so I have to come up with something, and she says, what exactly is your vision for, for First Baptist Church Florence? And I said, let me chew on it for a while. And when I said chew on it, don't get me wrong, I didn't, that wasn't the blanket, let me pray about it. And what that means is I won't think about it again, and next time you ask me, I'll have to say, let me pray about it again. I didn't do that. I said, let me read the word about it for a while, because I, I will say this three or four more times. You, the, the will of God is known to us. Don't ever say, I've got to pray what the will of God is without going to the word of God. Because the word of God, the will of God is all right here. You can know the will of God by reading the word of God. So I, I went to the word of God, and where he continued, continued to go, was Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You don't have to change the slide quite yet, but Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I read that over and over and over, and I would like to say that this is an original idea, but I found out that First Baptist Church Florence had actually done this before. 
So I go back to the mission committee. I'm pumped because I think that I just came out with the best Jackie, uh, I'm sorry, um, Francis Chan uh, new idea. I'm going to write a book on it and everything. And I, I meet with them and I say, guys, I've got, here's our vision as a missions team. We're going to do an Acts 1-8 challenge. This year, we're going to be in Florence, Texas, because you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That means your hometown. Next year, we're going to do a mission trip in Texas somewhere. The year after that, we're going to do a mission trip outside of Texas. And the year after that, we're going to do a mission trip in the, in the world, somewhere outside the world. And I thought that they were just going to be, man, that is the best idea. But they all said, well, we did this about 20 years ago, and it did not work. I'm not kidding. I laid it all out. I had graphs. I had all kinds of stuff. And they said, it didn't work worth, the, worth anything. And I said, well, well, let's talk through this. Let's, talk about, let's just talk about year one. And here's what I said. I had year one ready to rock and roll. We, already, we did year one this past summer. And I said, here's what year one's going to be. I'm, I'm kind of like uh, Jimmy, jo Jimmy Johnson from the Dallas Cowboys that used to coach the Dallas Cowboys. He was always quoted by saying, I'll run a play until it quits working. The way I am when it comes to ministry, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I said, here's what we're going to do. I know that going door to door to people and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them works. I know that works. So let's do it. And they said, no, nah, we did about 15 years ago. It didn't work. And I said, well, we're going to try it. And so here was our, our setup for home mission, for Florence mission. And I'm telling you this because... Our church is the same size this church is. Not very many uh, more people even. I think we have like 120 usually on Sunday mornings. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I'm going to talk to your pastor about us because next year's Texas mission coming up here and helping y'all do the same thing. So here's what we do. We do evangelism training during the summer every single day of our mission Florence. We call this mission Florence. We do evangelism training in the morning, and what evangelism training entails is me saying, how many of you have ever shared your faith with somebody? And you want to know something that was crazy? Hardly anybody in the room raised their hand. Steve was there. Brian, I don't know if Brian was there that day. The first day we did it. Um, I said, how many of you have done this? Very few of them have. And here, it, it was so easy. We went through a list of questions we would ask people on their front porch. We, we asked, in your opinion, what does it take to get to heaven? And that's non-confrontational, right? That's not me saying you're going to hell if you don't get saved. It's saying, what does it take to get to heaven? Whatever they asked, and we would walk them through the Roman road on their doorstep. And like Brian said a minute ago, seven people came to know the Lord. You know how many sermons that I preach on, from the pulpit Sunday after Sunday, Sunday night after Sunday night, Wednesday, and nothing. You know how many times I did an invitation and stood in front of the Lord's Supper table and said, anybody that feels the Lord's uh, Spirit tugging at your heart, come on down, and nothing. But it took church members going to somebody's door and just laying out the gospel and people gave their life to the Lord. 
that's all that's what the gospel outreach is all about that's what evangelism is all about so what we would do is while we were on the porch we would invite people back for a small revival at the church and in that we were able to tear down an old house we had a construction job going on I noticed y'all had some back here just setting stuff up for next year But, but I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to let us come, but I'll pray about that. So, so anyway, we would do that, and I, I, I lay all this out for you to say this. Missions does not have to be complicated. It just has to be done. When we got done with that week and we had seven salvations, after having like a whole year without any baptisms, without anything, and the people went out, here's what we learned as a church. We learned as a church that we have to stop making missions an event and make it a lifestyle. We have to stop making missions something that we say we'll wait till the summertime to do it, and we have to make it a lifestyle. There's a slide for that, by the way. We have to make it a lifestyle. Y'all know what I mean by that? It's always an event when you're looking forward to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and we advertise it and we have the envelopes and all of that. It's an event. When we have it during the summer, it's an event. The Lord doesn't want it to be an, an event in your life. He wants you to make it your life. He intends it to be your life. He intends missions to be your life. Look with me again at Acts chapter 1 verse 6 through 11. I noticed something here. I was just going to read Acts chapter uh, 1 verse 8, but verse 6 through 11, there's something in there that needs to be understood. If you look at verse 6 through 7, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then scoot down to verse 9. It says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking in heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as he saw, as you saw him go into heaven. What this is telling us to me is that the Lord is saying, you don't worry about when I'm coming back. You don't worry about when my father has decided to restore Israel. You don't worry about anything. All you need to worry about, the only command, the only call, the only mandate, the only responsibility that he places on them is to be witnesses of who Jesus Christ is. That's it. You realize that Jesus Christ did not give anybody a mandate except be my witness. That's it. That's all he gave us. So if you're sitting in here today, before I even get into the points that a Baptist pastor has to have, before I even get into that, I want you to understand this. Where you're sitting, whether you are a, a young kid, whether you've got brown hair, black hair, white hair, gray hair, whether it's turn gray or turn loose, some of you, whatever it is, you are called to be a witness of Jesus Christ. And if you are not 
a missionary, then you are sinning. Understand what I'm saying. I'm not going to mince words about what I'm saying. If you do not have a missional heart, then you are in sin, period. Because Jesus told us to have a missional heart. So what I have to ask myself, what I have to ask myself about that is, what does that look like for a believer in Christ? If I'm going to ask my church to be missional, and I'm going to say, okay, you have to take seriously what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. If you're supposed to take that seriously, and we're supposed to take Acts 1-8 seriously, what does that look like for us? Seriously, like if I'm supposed to go from a lifestyle, because I grew up Baptist, man. All I knew was Lottie Moon and Annie Arnold. That's all I knew. And don't let me get you wrong. I don't, I, I'm not trying to diminish those offerings. They are important. But we also have to come to a place that we don't use those as crutches. So if I have to change my whole mindset, because some of us are going to have to do that. If I have to change my mindset, what does that look like for me as a believer to take seriously what Jesus said about being his witness in all the world? And I've got four things I want to show you tonight that God has shown me and my church through the vision that he gave me through his word and as we have been ministering together, and I'll tell you, after the summer, like we went through the summer slump, and the last about two months, we have been having baptism after baptism. God has been blessing and blessing um, because we're being faithful to being witnesses, period. It's not that I'm the best pastor in the world, God knows. It's because God's people are doing their job. And when God's people do, do their job, God does mighty things. Here's the first thing that it looks like for us is that God's people live intentionally. God's people live intentionally, and they live their lives with the intentional purpose of sharing Christ with people that they come in contact with. You know what that means? I knew a guy that was an insurance salesman, and he wanted me to sell insurance. In fact, this is the first church I ever went to that um, I went into it as a full-time pastor. Every other church I ever worked at, I had to be bivocational. And he thought that I would make a good insurance salesman. And now that I'm a little bit older, I realize the pastor does not need to be an insurance salesman. It just doesn't work, you know. But he had a saying, and his saying was, I've got a three-foot rule. If I get within three foot of somebody, I try to sell them insurance. And I have used that ever since he told me that. If I get within three foot of somebody, I should share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Now listen, I, sadly to say, I use that all the time in sermons, but I never do it. I, I mean, I, I feel bad for saying that, but think about that. I'm the pastor up here preaching this, and I don't even do that. I'm not living intentional enough. Nothing more certain, there's a saying that says, there's nothing more certain than death but more uncertain than time. We have to live intentional because people are going to hell every single day. 
I like what Brother John brought. He brought the statistics. I'm not a real big statistics guy, but he gave the numbers of how many people are going to hell every day. How many people are being born into the world that will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ going to hell every single day? Here's a statistic for you. There are, out of professing believers in Jesus Christ, and on average in America, professing believers of Jesus Christ go to church twice a month. Twice a month, that's it. So if professing believers in Jesus Christ only go to church twice a month, I wonder how many of them aren't even saved that come in and out of the door of the church. I wonder how many people that you know, that you come in contact with outside, that you work with, that you go to school with, that say, oh yeah, I go to that church, don't even know Jesus. We've got to be intentional about missional, our mission. The Bible says in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 12 through 15, says, take care, brothers, lest there be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But listen to this. It says in verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I love what that says, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Friends, as long as today is called today, you need to be trying to be on mission for Jesus Christ. You don't need to wait for a certain date to come up. You need to be on mission for Jesus Christ. Had we had our mission Florence um, week and then said, okay, I can't wait till next year, we wouldn't see the fruit that we've got coming today. Had we done that, we would not see the people walking the aisle today that we do. That came because people are intentional in sharing Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing that we have to do in, in order to be missional. We have to be an apostle, not just a disciple. Now, I know we could break this down and have a lot of theological talk about what an apostle actually is and everything, but here's what a, a, the difference between an apostle and a disciple. An, a disciple is a student who learns from a teacher. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a student who learns from a teacher. When Jesus went and he called his first disciples and they dropped their nets and they followed him, they were his disciples. You're a disciple till the day you die. If, you are, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple till the day you die. Where we miss the boat is that it shows us in the book of Mark chapter 3, that Jesus, Mark chapter 3, verse 13, if you want to check me, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says that he went up on a mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles. You know what an apostle is? An apostle, according to Webster's Dictionary, is one sent to deliver those teachings to another. One sent to deliver those teachings to another. So if you take that coupled with Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says you're not only called to be a disciple, you're called to be an apostle. If you're a disciple, friend, you are an apostle. Understand what I'm saying to you right now. You can read every John Piper book you want to. You can read Chicken Soup for the Soul, Chicken Soup for the Granny Soul, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, whatever you want to do. 
And it doesn't matter how deep you get, you're still not doing your job if you're not going forth and making disciples of all nations. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us we're called not only to be disciples, but we're called to go forth. So as I'm speaking, I hope this is convicting the dog out of you because it does. It, it did me when I was studying for it that when I'm sitting in the pew and I'm saying, oh, that's right, yep, that's right, and then I go home and all I plan on doing is reading a self-help book that throws some verses in there, I'm doing wrong, man, because God called me not to only be a disciple, a follower of his, a student of his, learn all I can about him, but he tells me to go, therefore, and share that gospel with other people. And until I do that, my relationship with Christ is not complete. I don't have the complete joy that I could have with Christ for not sharing who he is. So we live intentionally. We're called to be an apostle, not just a disciple. And here's something that's hard for me, because I'm, and I'll just throw this out there, I'm a grass is always greener on the other side kind of guy. I'm not lying. If I eat a good meal, I think to myself, I bet somewhere else is better than this. I, I can't help it. Like, we, we went and ate at a place called, I can't even pronounce it, Sonia could because she speaks Portuguese, but we ate at a Brazilian steakhouse the other night. And it was like, I felt like I needed to hold my fork like that, you know what I'm saying? It was fancy. And as I was eating, I ate so much, Lord forgive me, gluttony, I ate so much that I started thinking, man, this food's not even that good. Like, ponchos would be this good, you know? <laughs> and here's what ends up happening to me is, and, and sadly, I, this has happened at other churches. I, I minister at a place for a while, and things start to go kind of stale. It, spiritually, it seems like people are asleep. And listen, if... if um, if you're at a church like that, I know not everybody here is, is a member of Forest Avenue Baptist Church. If you're at a church like that, this is the message for you right now. It can become stale, and it seems like the spirit's not moving. And I start saying, man, the grass is probably greener somewhere else. The grass is probably greener um, over the fence somewhere else. And here's the deal. Eventually, the deer eat the grass away, no matter where you are. So... We need to minister where we are. Get that in your head. Not only are you supposed to live intentionally and be an apostle, not just a disciple, but you need to minister where God has placed you. I hate to quote, quote this person, but I'm going to because I overheard her quote this when I walked into one of my church members' house. Joyce Meyer once said, I walked in and she said, you are right where you are because God has put you right where you, you are. And I thought that was a very good quote, even though it was from a woman preacher. You are right where you are because God has placed you right where you are. One of my favorite all-time authors, he died at a young age, is Oswald Chambers. And he said this, never allow yourself this thought, I am of no use where I am. Because you certainly cannot be used where you have not yet been placed. Wherever God has placed you and whatever your circumstances, you should pray, continually offering up prayers to Him. And He promises in John 14, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, 
that I will move. Friend, I can't be missional where I'm not there. Be missional right where you are. Quit, com- quit looking at the past and saying, this is what we used to be. Quit thinking, oh, this is where I could be. Start saying, man, I'm going to be missional, and I'm going to be on ministry right here, right now, at this moment. The three-foot rule. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, 6, verse 9 and 10, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Minister where you are. And the last point to this goes with that one. Same passage of scripture Go deep, not always wide. You know, our uh, Mission Florence um, outreach that we did and and preaching that Steve did, um, we have had some people that um, were rough characters start coming to our church. I I mean, I'm not judging them, but they are. They served prison time. A lot of them were drug addicts. And one guy in particular that I had already met the year I moved to Florence named Brandon Henry, and he would, if he was sitting here, he would amen me for saying this. Um, he would come by the church every once in a while and ask for money, and I knew he was using it for drugs, you know, and anyway, um, it got to where every time Brandon would come up, our youth minister and my secretary and myself, we kind of roll our eyes, we know what he wants, but we would be kind to him, and he came up to church one night on a Wednesday night, and uh, the uh, youth worker came and got me. They always get the pastor when there's somebody all strung out on drugs. Well, they come and get me, and I walk outside to meet this guy that they want me to talk to about it. And, hey, man, I can say that because I used to be one, okay? And I walk out there, and Brandon is stoned to the bone, man. His eyes are rolling back, and I said, what's going on, man? And he said, man, I just need to sleep in the church tonight. And I said, well, that's not happening. <laughs> and, and he kind of, I mean, he was shivering like that. And James, the guy with me, you could tell he was thinking, you need to do something about this. And I said, Brandon, you are stoned out of your head. And he just so, went just like this. Man, i got to get home, just like that, and, and walked on. And I didn't see him for three months. Never saw him come to the church. Never saw anything. Never heard another word from him. Until about five months ago, he was sitting at the back row of the church. And when church was over, he came up to me. And he shook my hand, and he said, man, i got to apologize to you. I was on drugs. And I said, really? (laughs) But for real, he said, I was on drugs, man. I've been on drugs my whole life, but I gave my life to the Lord the other day. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because you and that youth pastor and that secretary have always shown me kindness. You've always shown me the kindness of the Lord. And that led me to go to his word. And you know what that means? That means sometimes where you are, you have to go deep, not just wide. Many times what we do as believers in Christ and as churches is we have it in our mind that, and not to diminish 
India or Africa because, man, those are awesome ministries. But listen, you don't have to go so wide all the time. Take the drug addicts right around your church because you've got them. I saw them today. Go deep with them. Shake their hand. Love them. Show them the love of Christ. If you want to see what God can really do missionally in your life, be an apostle, not just a disciple. Live intentionally. Minister where you are. And go deep, not just wide. I'm fixing to pray for you. And here's what I want to do if, if Brian's all right with it. I'm going to have Brian come and sing whatever song he might have set up. And ask yourself, am I being a missionary where I am? Because that's what we had to do as, as for First Baptist Church Florence. We had to ask, get our mindsets around, am I being a missionary or am I just being a disciple? Am I following Jesus around? Friends, Jesus is already in heaven. If you're a saved believer in Christ by his grace, you're going to heaven. Be an apostle and see what he'll do with you. Quit just studying his word. Start living out his word. So I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to make a decision one way or the other. Don't leave here without saying, God, I'm a missionary, and I'm going to start being missional. Don't leave here without making a decision for the Lord. Let's pray. God, we do love you and we praise you, Father. God, I praise you for your goodness.